You're listening to Power Athlete Radio, a podcast dedicated to empowering your performance every damn day. Join former NFL pro and Power Athlete founder John Wellborn as he dissects the greatest minds in strength, conditioning, and more. Joining him is everyone's favorite coach and hair model, Chris, a.k.a. Tex McQuilkin, Power Athlete's Director of Performance. So whether your goal is to be the hammer, destroy mediocrity, or simply move the dirt, you've come to the right place. Now with the warm-up done, let the gains begin. We're good friends with Mr. Crispy here, but uh, if people, maybe there's one or two people on the planet that don't know who you are, um, you give us a little bit of uh, introduction, a little bit of backstory, and uh, I mean, it, it's funny, like, I mean, we, we've known each other for so long, it's like, you know, it's always great to come on the podcast, but there might be people that might not know you. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my name is Omar Vila, and I go by Crispy, because um, I got burned. Uh, joined the uh, military in 2004, uh, went on deployment, came home, everything was good, went on another deployment, and um, this was during the surge, like 06, 08, it's just, if you don't know what the surge was, it was literally um, one of the highest death rate um, wounded personnel in military history um, during the Iraq-Afghanistan war, and because of that, it was because we got to a point where we were winning the war. So a lot of Iraqis and uh, a lot of people around uh, from other countries around the area started coming in to fight us to help the Iraqis because they didn't like what we were doing there. So um, IEDs became a very popular thing where they knew that if we went face to face, you weren't you weren't going to take us out. Like we were better trained, better weapons. Just uh, you know, we pretty much own them. Uh, so the only way that they noticed that they can uh, effectively take us out of the fight was to blow us up because we had no idea where they were coming from. So during the surge, uh, I got blown up by a 200-pound deep buried IED um, that was command detonate, and meaning there was somebody watching us with a controller setting it off as we drove by. And what they had actually done was they dug 200 pounds of explosives from a house to the middle of the road, and it took them months to do this. Like, it wasn't overnight. It was something that they they saw that we would drive by this road every once in a while. So they were like, okay, they weren't, they're not here all the time, so we got time to prep this. And pretty much rolled over it, um, got blown up, um, ended up being burned 75% of my body, third and fourth degree burns, lost... Um, my foot at first, I think when we met, I only had my foot. Yeah. I had like half a foot. Yep. Um, and then, you know, when you fast forward like nine years after uh, doing limb salvage, they find cancer in my foot, which was a local cancer. They hadn't spread. It wasn't spreading, but it was there and it wasn't healing. And the only reason we found out is because I ended up doing, uh, you remember those those road marches that were pretty huge a couple of years ago, like yeah. for uh, veteran suicide prevention stuff? We... Uh, you know, you always want to, like, measure uh, your dick against the other guys there. So I was like, we're doing 22 pounds in a rucks. And I did, like, 60. Didn't tell anybody. He just showed up with a huge-ass pack. And people were like, what the fuck? So we do the 22 miles. At the end of the, the road march, my foot had split open on the bottom again. And my wife, girlfriend at the time was like, hey, honey, that doesn't look good. Like, you should definitely go get it checked. I'm like... Oh, no, no, you don't know. Like, with burns, they take a while for them to heal. Yeah, yeah, everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. It's been six months, and I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, you're probably right. And that's when we lived in Austin, and I drove down to San Antonio, walked in. The uh, the doctor was like, well, let's let's take a look at it. And he's like, oh, you're going to have to have surgery so we can close it up. La, 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 they close it up. Or they we go to surgery. He uh, cuts a little bit of skin to do, you know, cultures and stuff, and he comes back, and they brought me out of surgery, and they're like, hey, so... Uh, we found cancer in your foot, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like um, we took some of it out, we didn't get it all. The, you know, the surgery was at three hours. So we needed to bring you out. Can you come back next week? And I'm like, "Cool." So I go back. We do another surgery. Are you? Uh, are they putting you under? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah no, I was out. Yeah, it was like, dude. I uh, uh, personally like. Um, uh, oh, you've had surgery. Oh, many times. <laughs> and uh, going under to me, especially the anesthetic, because one, they give us way too fucking much. Mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna like I'm super sensitive to it. Uh, it's that's by far the scariest thing for me is really they put me under because uh, like uh, they put me under and give me way too much where like three hours later I haven't woken up 
And then oh. the last time I had my shoulder fixed, I told the guy, I'm like, yo, man, I'm super sensitive. Like, just give me a little. And they they did. They gave me like way less. And like 25 minutes after it was over, I woke up. Oh, so these gotcha. people have been fucking like trying to kill me with this stuff. <laughs> and then the problem is, is what people don't realize is that anesthetic takes months to get out of your, system. Out of your system. And I like, I always have this like terrible fucking feeling. So what's, um, when I'm sitting here like throwing up in my mouth listening is how many times, I mean, how many surgeries? 103 or four. I can't remember now. I haven't been down somewhere. <laughs> uh, okay, sorry, sorry. No, that, no, I, okay, so so they uh, they come out, they bring you out of surgery, and say, "Hey, bring you back next week. We got to put you under, and we're going to do what, like a biopsy, or just pretty much." So they were cutting a lot of the skin or the meat, skin, whatever you want to call it, and they were doing you know cultures as we were going until they got everything out. Come out of surgery, they're like, "We got it all." And I'm like, "Cool." And at this point, I have like a big hole in there, so they kind of stitch it up and they're like you can walk on it in three four weeks we give it time to heal as soon as i step on it when the doctor says you're good dude it rips open i mean there was they took so much that there was nothing in it that would you know grab onto or heal or anything and i stepped and it was fucking painful like i'm used to pain but not that i was like holy shit i sat down i was like like i almost tears in my eyes My, my wife's like are you okay and i was like no, because we've been dating for a while now. Yeah. She knows like my pain tolerance, and she's like, "Oh, through the roof." Yeah, she's like, "Oh shit!" Like, you know, Defcon three. Here we go. Like, yeah. and I was like, "Holy shit!" So we go to the doctor, and um, at that point, I looked at her and I was like, "I know this is not going to heal. Like, I want to cut it off." And um, the only reason I hadn't cut it off way before that um, was because every time I brought it up to my parents, you know, my mom started crying, and my dad's like, "Sure." You know, your quality of life is not going to be great. And I'm like, you know, and so I always listen to them. So I was like, you know, whatever. But at that point, like I had done so much research. I'd known so many people that had prosthetics and their quality of life was better after the amputation. So I was like, so I did all the research, everything and showed them, look, everything's going to be better now. And they're like, okay. So I walk into the doctor's office on a Friday and, you know, he walks in with another doctor and I recognize the other doctor. He's the ortho guy. And I was like, sirs, because they're all military, you know, personnel. And I'm like, sirs. And they're like, hey, you know. Um, so here's where we're at. And I'm like, well, before you go, can we just fucking cut this thing off already? And they're like, well, that's what we were going to say. And I'm like, cool. I haven't had anything to eat uh, since last night. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. And they're like, um, yeah, we're going to need to prep a room and everything. So <laughs> how about you go enjoy You're your like, weekend? I got a book knife. Here you go. <laughs> they're like, enjoy your weekend with your family and um, come back on Monday and we'll cut it off. And they did. I went back on, on a Monday, uh, went into surgery. They cut it off. They let me go home Friday. This is like August 30th when I had the surgery. Then they let me go. Um, and then after that, uh, you know, they pretty much told me, like, you're going to be walking in the leg, like by the end of December, you you have a prosthetic, and dude, I made it like a uh, like it was just it was like my mission at the time. So I was like, nope, I'm gonna do it before that, and went on like a super strict diet, like ate super clean, no sugar, no nothing, like clean. And every time I went to the doctor, he's like, holy shit, your legs healing super fast, like your stitches are closing, like everything looks good. He was grabbing, he's like, does this hurt? I was like, nope, nothing. The second week in November, I was in a prosthetic walking. And so I was like, let's go. <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, the, I mean, and um, we've been fortunate to work with a bunch of vets and different people and like above the knee, below the knee, uh, the outcomes below the knee are dramatically better. Yeah. Like when you start going above the knee and obviously you get into a prosthetic uh, joint, like yeah. it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Like, and not to diminish it in any way, but like, you know, below the knee. It's like, a paper cut. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like they can, I mean, like, you know, I was looking just at like the carbon fiber and the setup and the ankle and all this. And it's so fucking mm-hmm. interesting to me. Oh, yeah. Um, like, uh, who's, um, who's the dude I met at Summer Strong where it's uh, up in his hip. Oh, Derek. Um, yeah. The Jack dude. Car- Derek. Car- yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah um, uh, so like, uh, I got a chance to rap with him. Um, I think he was high. I, I know he's a big cannabis dude, but he was high as fuck. <laughs> um, so I was trying to talk to him and I, I was like, cause I'm, I'm always fascinated by the technology yeah. and the fact that like, there's somebody that can computer model your gate and then design like, like I fucking did like, um, like, uh, maybe 10 hours of like just videos and <laughs> yeah. research just cause I'm so amazed with like how they're using SolidWorks and CAD. Yeah. 
to basically what they can do is they can scan your body, put it in, figure out how to do your limb, create all the right anthropometrical ratios, your gait, and then design you all these different like ankles. I mean, fucking amazing. Not only that, like the computer within the prosthetic, when you take a step with your good leg, that computer grabs all that information and mimics how far yeah. your step is and when it goes. So like when you step with this one, the other legs are already coming out without yeah. you and like So like wild. the days yeah. of like them just like <clears throat> whittling a wooden foot and then like <laughs> long, like the fugitive. Long. Like yeah. yeah, like the fugitive or, or or like what you'd imagine like sailors, you know, like a, a, a pirate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean like the days of that are over. Like the um the the dude that uh was running with the uh, then back South place. African guy. Yeah. <laughs> Little Tink Tink. <laughs> uh, the, the, the crazy thing is they were showing modeling that as like, so like when a sprinter kind of like reaches top speed, then there's like a down regulation. He does this. Yeah. So uh, the actual, the uh, spring reforce and like the centrifugal force that he's developing has a curve like this. So he can effectively keep sprinting. So then they were like, well, this is an unfair advantage. He's like, I have no fucking legs. <laughs> so I, like, well, they, they allowed it. Yeah. And they yeah, should. They it's fucking He's awesome. in jail now, but they yeah. allowed him to run. Not to diminish the fact that his fucking legs are awesome and that somebody designed it. But I, I like, you know, like whenever you think about technology, at least I do, like, you know, you have all these people working on designing electric cars. Yeah. I'm like, fuck that. Let's figure out how to make these dudes walk and do like, like to me, that is the coolest part of technology. Well, I mean, honestly, I think we're at the highest peak of prosthetics that will ever be um, just because of during the surge, like I mentioned earlier, there was so many guys wounded and they were overwhelmed when all these guys showed up to the hospital with prosthetic, I mean, with missing limbs. They're like, we have this. And people were like, this is shit. And mm -hmm. yeah. it was okay. That prosthetic was okay for a while. Because the guys that were getting the guys and gals that were getting in prosthetic weren't as active as we are. Sure. So all of a sudden you got guys that wanted to go hiking. They right. wanted to go, you know, like me powerlifting. Well, you fucking deadlifted. Like, what was it? Uh, I saw you deadlift six hundred pounds. Seven hundred. Yeah, he. I, I saw. <laughs> I saw you deadlift six. I never saw you deadlift seven, but I know you did it with a fucking prosthetic limb. I mean, and what's crazy is with almost zero leg drive. Yeah. Like it was like fuck. I'll, I'll back. I'll, I'll back. <laughs> question mark it was <laughs> well dude i uh i was like this is awesome he's built a deadlift it was like straight leg slight bend and just fucking hinge it was awesome yeah but even at that like it took us a long time to find a prosthetic um that was going to be strong enough to hold it and you know it took like six or seven tries i i broke so many legs just deadlifting coming up and just pop, and i gotta drop the weight real quick and you just see the foot bounce off and then we were able to get with the manufacturer and be like hey look we need a foot that's tested and that's rated for a thousand pounds and they came back with one that was 900 and when i deadlifted about 655 or something i was probably like 250 280 and you just i just heard click click, click. i was like oh no nope, nope and then i stopped and then yeah. i said no i need a thousand foot that you know that's rated for a thousand pounds then they ended up giving me one that was 1,200 pounds. Dude, after that, it was just fucking... I mean, I walked in there and I was like, cool, cool, cool. And um, after I had my amputation, I think six months later, I did left at 600 pounds, just like nothing. And then I was like, okay, cool. And then I felt confident and I got back into it. And I, uh, Brandon Lilly was coaching me at the time. Super great guy. I love that dude to death. And I was like, my goal is to deadlift 700 and I'm fucking out. And he's like, are you sure? I was like, dude, I'm, I'm out. Like, I can't be doing this shit. Like, my, my body's already fucked up as it is. Like, you know, and he's like, okay, let's let's work on it. And we worked on it, worked on it. And the, the day finally came and I said, well, here we go. And I was like, I don't want to know what's on the bar. Just put it on and let me go. And we did, got it and put it down. I look over and Brendan's like 700. I was like, fuck, I'm done. Hung up the towel and I was like, I'm out. Like, this is was this at your garage? Where was this? No, it was at it was at Summer Strong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. all right. Yeah. Like yeah. on the platform with oh, yeah. the whole crew. Well, like when they show the montage. Yeah. Uh, like they always have the Summer Strong montage. You get to see the commercial. It's crispy. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. On so the platform. Freaking three hundred uh, people cheering you straps on. Straps or? Yeah, yeah, I gotta yeah, wear straps. straps. I can't really grip. I, the I was gonna well. say. Yeah. Cheater. 
<laughs> it's kind of shit. Yeah, he's sad. It's, it's fine. Yeah, well, at least you didn't pull sumo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, don't get me started with that. Uh, <laughs> dude, I was watching this video of this dude pulling. I mean, some fucking guy was like 242, pulled like 1100. And dude, and he, it came off the ground like uh, that much? Like this yeah, much. Yeah, fuck off. I, it's like I, I, uh, we were hanging with Chris Duffin, and I was like, hey, did you make like a special circus bar? Because like it just looked like you were pulling out the fucking dude. Because he would pull, and he would get all that, and then all of a sudden the plates would come off. And he's like, yeah, that's how I got fucking 30 reps in a row. It's a 1,000 pounds, you know? And that, and, it's, it's a, and they, it's considered a lift, which is just like annoys the shit out of me. When people do that, I'm like, I'm like well, just, we can just, make up lifts too. Rob? And set records. Listen. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I do. I definitely think that uh, pulling uh, conventional. I mean, I you know, I mean, hey, if, if you got the anthropometrical ratios and you can pull sumo, I mean, I, it's legal in it. But yeah, like n- uh, nobody's showing up. I mean, when Eddie Hall pulled that big monster and then Thor pulled that, you know, even create like fucking conventional, fucking savages. Well, I mean, that, honestly, that was the thing. Like when I when I started um, going to the gym. Uh, so I ended up going back to Brownsville after all my injuries and stuff and lived down there. And for a this is where you're originally from? Oh, yes, where I'm from, yeah. And um, he's So Texas born and bred. Uh, yeah. Well, the, I was born in Mexico. Nor- uh, yeah. yeah, but Brownsville's well, a border that's town. The reason, Texas, that's yeah. the reason that you can't become president, but I think <laughs> it, we should totally, it, what is it, it, Article 1, Section 3, we should totally get rid of that, seeing as they... I mean, Obama did it, why can't I do it? Yeah, well, and, and that, if they're trying to like, I mean, the Second Amendment is pretty fucking clear, thou shalt not be infringed upon. Yep. And yet they take that with political, uh, poetic license. So why can't we do it? Crispy 2024. Uh, come on. Now, I, I, I suck at that job. I probably <laughs> just fire everybody and just, I don't know. Yeah. Make the whole, the whole United States like Texas. <laughs> it sounds amazing. The best country in the U.S. <laughs> so wait, uh, guns and barbecue and uh, fucking people that wear hats and boots and are pretty friendly whenever you go somewhere? That's true. No, uh, no, we gotta keep this a secret, bro. We can't be talking. Uh, about it. No, it's uh, Joe, Ro- Joe Rogan fucked us. He's well, he fucked Austin, which I'm okay with. Like, he's <laughs> in here. I, don't, I live out in the hill country. I'm my neighbor is like a mile that way. My neighbor uh, the other mile the other way, and I'm and we're friendly. So, dude, we thought we were living. We were moving to the country when we moved here, and so six <laughs> years ago, this was the country. Yeah, it was. And it's not the country anymore. Nope. No, and it's like uh, I always joke. I'm like, we thought we were moving to the country, and then the city done moved to us. Well, dude. I'm, I was uh, when I was driving in on uh, on Hamilton Pool. On Hamilton Pool, I was like, "Cool, well, that's new. That's new." Like, oh, they're working on the roads again. Like, yep. I hadn't been down this road like in three, four years. Well, since you came to film, uh, so you oh, came yeah, here for yeah. for the photo shoot for uh, Ballistic Magazine. Yeah, yeah so right. they wanted to do uh, uh, this gun magazine wanted to do a photo shoot. And they wanted Crispy in the gym, but no gyms would allow them to bring guns to the gym. It's Only one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he reached and that's out. I lived in Austin at the time. So I was like, no gym in Austin. Let me do it. And I was like, and then I was cracking my eyes. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, hey, John. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> what are you doing? Happy to have you. I'm like, uh, we, we encourage guns brought to our gym. So, no, yeah. Like, so they showed up. And I'm like, uh, yeah, these guys are like, I can't believe you have this gym. I'm like, yeah, exactly. So we can bring guns. Yeah. And so, yeah, they shot that. That was cool. Oh, but that yeah, was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I was in the cover. Yeah. They, uh, um, uh, fucking yeah like I believe me I'm in the same boat you are because I remember when we first came out here like I stood where the building is I could see like maybe three roofs you know our, that first year I put all of our tree stands were back there and then all of a sudden they like built that demoed 140 acres and built that oh. school and now there's hundreds of fucking roofs um, that's why we moved out of Austin man like I, I looked at my wife and I was like I don't want to be here anymore because when we lived in Austin, it was still, you know, it was a cool time. Like, well, I, I came over to your house in Steiner. Yeah. Do you remember when I brought, I brought uh, that was when you stole a leg. So you were just missing your foot. Mm-hmm. And we were doing EMS stuff to see if we could get him. So uh, Compex called me. Or it was I still Power, have it. it. Was it Compex or PowerDot? It was PowerDot. Power so PowerDot called me and they're like, hey, can you go do uh, like an in-person demo for somebody? And I'm like, who? And then they told me, and I was like, yeah, fuck it, let's go. So I drove over to his house, hooked them all up, and was just shocking the fuck out of them. And, and like, because here's the thing, like for the uh, EMS devices, wherever you put the pads, you're going to get indiscriminate motor unit recruitment. Mm-hmm. And like, as you see, like 75% of his skin, and it's like super scarred, and there's not like fat layers, and like, you know, like the composite of the skin is obviously different for him. Um, like this is like whenever it gets hot, I get worried about him because I know like the way we cool ourselves as we sweat through the skin, he can't sweat. Um, so I'm down to tell all these people your secrets, <laughs> but, um, uh, so I show up to do this and I'm like fucking doing all this research and I'm like, 
I don't know, it's going to work. And they're like, just go over there and shock the fuck out of him. And then I show up <laughs> and he's like, hook me up. Let's shock the fuck out of me. Like, let's see how it goes. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I think we have a picture and I'm like fucking ramping it up. And it was like, I don't feel anything. All of a sudden it was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like there were, it was either on or off. There was no delayed. Like, yeah, I can kind of feel a tingle. I can't go anything to like, <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, God. And then I remember saying to him, like, I'm not going to like fuck anything up. And you're like, no, 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 dude, I'm totally fine. I'm already fucked up. Let's go. And we had a great time. <laughs> And then, yeah. And so I don't know if it necessarily worked the way we thought it was. It did. It helped me with recovery quite a bit, honestly, because I was like at the peak of when I was, you know, chasing that goal. And and I was pretty sore after workouts and just kind of looking for something to help me heal. And it worked. Yeah, Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I still use it today. I still have the same one. Yeah. And I put it on, you know, whenever I'm done, like coming back from a hunt and I've been hiking, you know, X amount of miles and shit. And I come back and I just put it on my legs and. Dude, that's, that's freaking awesome. Yeah, the potentiation works good. But yeah, I was thinking like uh, max unit recruitment. Maybe we can like string out some motor units. And uh, that was definitely by far one of the more interesting. And the problem is you're a one of one. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like as, as they called me and I was like, ah, like I, I like gave them a download of these notes. But I'm like, this is kind of a one off one of one. Like, I don't even know what protocols we run. I'd like, I mean, like the other one was like, um, you know, hot shower beforehand. Like yep. a really hot shower to see if we can get more sensitivity in the skin. What does the hydration look like? So, I mean, it was really neat to like look at all these other levers as drivers for the, uh, you know, compared to the conventional people we've been working with. So, yeah, that was interesting. I mean, but it worked. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, what was cool was he had a badass Sornex rack and one of the half. Half. So it was in his garage, <laughs> but like one side was this like titanium fucking foot. By far oh, yeah. the coolest thing. So, Johnny from, uh, from Sorenex, who's like a fucking wizard with metal, mm-hmm. um, basically fabricated out of like spare parts. Like it looked like the Terminator's foot. Yeah. And then like under one part of the rack, it's, it's raised. They like cut it and they put the foot in there. So it's, it's as one of the legs helping the rack stand. It's, it like, is. it's like my, like if you're looking at me, it's like one, it's yeah. like a prosthetic leg, like a metal leg. And then it has a AR uh, rail. Yeah. Uh, that's holding it up. Yeah. That's super cool. It's super fucking. Yeah, dope. we're gonna have to throw a picture of that. In yeah, the show. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's some of the like. Uh, uh, so Sornex obviously does all you know equipment and like the shit's cool, but it's really neat when they let Johnny go loose and do some fucking amazing stuff. Yeah. Like it was. It like was I, so I rad. see that shit. I'm like, that's so bad. It was so rad, and it was like it, it was around that same time when like I, I had we were at, at Summerstrong and I told Bert like I'm going after this, and he goes. Let me build your rack so you can train. And I'm like, cool. Because I'm the, I, man, I'm, I don't know how or why, but like, I've always noticed people go to the gym to have other people watch them as they're fucking lifting heavy. And a lot of people grab that energy from the gym to do that. I, I don't give a fuck who's at the gym. If there's a thousand people, cool. If there's one people, one person there, or if it's just me, I just, I've been able to go to a fucking place. And I just, when I'm lifting, everything just goes, look, I don't see anybody. And I just go. And same thing with training. Like I was just crank my fucking white angry music people. If I can just fucking rah, and <laughs> fucking rage in my garage and just lift heavy and train and put it down, go eat fucking whatever. So I told him, I was like, dude, that'd be perfect. I was like, cause I hate going to the fucking gym and waiting on people like, oh, he's deadlifting or he's squatting. And I'm like, cool, which is fine. You know, it's, it's a public place that you got to wait your turn. Um, but I was like, but I'm chasing this goal and I want to fucking do it. I want to be able to wake up, put my fucking leg on, walk down, go in the garage and work out, you know, go do work, whatever I got to do. And then if I want to do two a days, I can do two a days. He's like, I'm going to pay you something cool. And I was like, yeah, cool. It's fucking cool. Yeah, I showed up and I was like, holy fuck. Like, I didn't need, I was like, I don't want to scratch it. I was like, yeah. I don't want to lift on it. Like, it was yeah. cool, man. I, yeah. I like, I fucking appreciate the craftsmanship. Yeah, dude, it's, it's legit. When you go to the gym or more importantly, you go out in public, I mean, obviously we know the story, but do people stop and talk to you about it? Do your people a little like, I mean, they, I, I like, I always wonder, um, oh, you yeah. know, for uh, it's, you know, maybe like uh, NFL players or whatever people, like I can see people looking at me weird, like sideways. I just like, how do people, kind of react to you i mean i think um you know over the years with uh social media i've always been like i'm the same person on and off social media you that know, is true that like they build these personas and they act different and stuff like, no you're still the same motherfucker dude <laughs> like i mean uh, this is what you get this is like the same crispy i always see big smile big laugh and i think for uh like i'm always um you know you think about like people feeling sorry for themselves yeah 
like I've never been around you and I don't know what, you know, maybe I'm sure you go through days where fucking whatever, but yeah, you know, for the do. most, yeah, we all do. Yeah. But like for you, like every time I always see you, there's always a big smile and a, you know, big hug and like a laugh in this. Yeah, man, I, I think it's, uh, it's kind of been stowed upon me to like, uh, you know, I'm here for a reason. Like I've embraced it every day. Um, and I don't know, I just want to be a beacon of light for people. You know what I mean? Like, and when I share my story and myself and social media, you know, there's a lot of people that relate to the things that I'm saying or I'm doing. Um, so whenever I see people and they start telling a story about, you know, when I run into public about how they, you know, beat cancer or they beat, you know, depression, whatever the case is, whatever the story is, I, I it, it's like recharges my batteries to meet people when they tell me their stories. And to me, that's, you know, I, I put myself out there and I can't not expect people to come up to me and say hi or want to spend some time and talk and tell me their story. So I just, you know, I just embrace it, man. That's just freaking cool um, to see people come up to me, not only just service members, but civilians as well. Like, yeah, it's pretty cool to hear the stories. Um, and I'll share one with you, which was crazy. And like, I had my wife framed this and we have it in our house. Um, there was this uh, school teacher who was in Indonesia with his wife and they started traveling and they ended up in, in, in I can't remember what island it was. It's on, it's on there. And he's a big, big, like, uh, man, a guy. Like, he's just all in, you know, and they were on this pier or Yeti's kind of rocks deal thing and they were watching the water. This wave came in and swept him and his wife into the ocean. His wife drowned. Oh and he's, he's, you know, he sees his wife's body and he goes, and at that moment, he's like, I was just going to give up. He's like, I, you know, I, I, my wife's dead. Like, what do I do? Like, I'm, you know, whatever I'm, I want to go to. And he tells me in this letter, like in the back of my head, he goes, and I don't cuss because I believe in God. And he's like, I told myself, Chris, be the fuck on. Chris, be the fuck on. And he was like, I was able to swim back in the shore. And he's like, and, you know, saved. And then we found my wife, my, my wife's body. And he goes, but because of your story and because of your motto and stuff, he's like, I'm here today. And I'm like reading this, I'm like, fuck, like, holy yeah. shit. Like, this dude just lost his wife. He's out there thinking about quitting. And then all of a sudden, he just fucking crispy the fuck on popped in his head. And now he's here alive telling me the story. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, to me, that's freaking powerful. And it literally, like, just recharged my batteries. And I'm like, I want to hear more stories like, like, that one from people that you know maybe got a little bit off of my story or whatever and encouraged them to push forward or move on and stuff and you know there was such a freaking cool story and a blessing and you know it sucks that he went through that but like you know let's try to grab the positive things out of all the negative shit that's going wrong and um so yeah i don't really care man people come up to me all the time and uh, i just embrace it and go from there because especially now you know, there there's this big stigma with mental health and people that are struggling. Like, there's this stigma that's been going on for a long time that if you ask for help, that it's a uh, it's a sign of weakness, which it's not. It's a sign of strength to actually sit here and be like, "Hey, John, I'm I'm in the slums, bro. I need fucking help." Like, it it takes a lot of courage and strength to ask somebody to help you. So I want to change that. I want to make sure that people ask for help and. You know, one of the biggest things I took away from my a good friend of mine, uh, his sis, he asked his sister because she does uh, she does missions and stuff, and she goes out and talks to people, and she's like, "Well, how do you know when someone's struggling? And like, how do you know who to help?" And she said something that stuck with me is like, "Treat everybody as as if they're struggling, and you just don't know it." And I was like, "That makes sense because you yeah. nobody's gonna come up to you and open up really fast and be like, hey, 'Hey, I'm struggling.' You know? Well, especially men." Um, I, I think for women, I mean, the, the, there's a reason that the rates of suicide are so much higher for men because women have, you know, support systems. They're much good share. They're, they're way better at sharing. Yeah. And there's also, like you said, there's like this stigma that like, you know, if you're, you're not a man or you're not tough or this, if like, you know, you're having a bad day or, or, or shit ain't going well. And it's like, uh, I always go back. What was it? Chris Rock said that, uh, men only like everybody's willing to save women and children. 
Yeah. Uh, men only have value if they can provide something. Yep. And that's a lonely fucking place. Yep. And uh, I heard that and like, you know, Chris Rock dropped that in a comedy special and like the entire fucking room and he was kind of laughing about it. You could hear people kind of giggling and then you hear him say it again and you're like, oh, fuck, that is true. Yeah. You know, you think about like, you know, our cancer charity, we work with children and neuroblastoma and you think about this and this and it's like, for men, it's like fucking man up. You yeah. know, be a man. Like, this is what you're supposed to be and like, you know, these guys, it, it's fucking terrible. Yeah. And there's reason that men kill themselves and it's because they feel alone and they don't know how to get out of it and they don't know what to do. And I think maybe between like sharing or having, you know, stories like you or, you know, being approachable, um, you know, where they think, oh shit, how bad is my life? And this dude's got a smile on his face and is killing it, you know? Yeah. I mean, dude, I, I, I feed off all their buddies. I got friends that have no arms and no legs and, you know, I see them out skiing and you're like, fuck, and you see the smile <laughs> on their face and I'm like, like I'm just missing the leg. I'm burned. Let's fucking go. Like, yeah. you know, and that's always been uh, my motto, man. And like, it kind of goes back to like when we started talking, like back in Brownsville, I walked into a gym um, and you might know him. Um, Rodney, he's been here a couple of times from Brownsville. He's got a gym called in Hard Knocks uh, in Brownsville. He's been to a couple oh, of years. Yeah, he's yeah. Summer Strong regular. Yeah. 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 He's been to our symposium. Yeah. 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 So yeah. he, uh, he was the one that, I mean, and we, we didn't go to school together, but we were kind of rivals mm-hmm. uh, when we played football and stuff. Uh, side note, our former intern, Nico, his mm-hmm. mom works out at the gym. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So he he, uh, he had, like, dude, it was, I mean, before, like, now he's got a brick and mortar fucking shop that's amazing. Yeah. But before that, we were, like, in this shed, and that's where he had all this equipment. So I walked in there, and I was like, dude, I don't know if I can do this. Like, you know, it was a deadlifting day and I walked in and like, he's like, no, you can do this. And I'm like, okay. And he was the first one to put straps in my hands. And then like, I deadlifted like four or five first time ever. Like, so much easier (laughs) if I can hold on to this fucking bar (laughs) with no training, nothing. And he was like, holy shit. I'm like, is that good? I was like, I can go heavier. He goes, he's like, dude, I've been training dudes in here for a while and they can't even deadlift that. I'm like, oh, so this is good. He goes, no, yeah, it's good. And yeah, we're like, gonna pull some fucking heavy weight. Like, yeah, and the following week I deadlifted like five hundred, and going back to the sumo conventional thing, I I tried sumo and I was like, man, this fucking this is easy, and because I deadlifted like something crazy, and so I looked at him and I was like, what's the difference? And he goes, well, let me break it down to you, and then I started. Um, looking up YouTube videos and started doing research and shit. And I started reading a lot of forums and I'm like, man, fuck this sumo shit. Like if I'm going to beat somebody and I'm going to beat an able body on a platform, I want to do it conventional. Well, you're uh, you're pretty long limbed. Like, like you got uh, yeah. pretty long arms, uh, shorter torso. Like, so when we look at the anthropometric ratios, the longer the torso, the shorter the leg, uh, the better uh, sumo deadlifter you are. Mm. So when somebody's shorter upper body, longer limbs, they're usually way better conventional. Uh, yeah. And now we're getting this weird flux of like a dudes that are like long torso, short leg, like gorilla arms, <laughs> where now all of a sudden they get into that sumo and they only have to pull it so far and yeah. they can pull this. I mean, that it was, I think it was a black dude, like I want to say like 242 and he pulled 1100 like it was fucking Jesus. nothing. I watched it in a gym. <laughs> he was in like a commercial gym and there's yeah. people standing around and like the dude just fucking gets in there and like deadlifts 1100 pounds. <laughs> I, I fucking head popped off. I'm like, this has to be fucking staged. There's no way this dude's just like <laughs> cruising into the local what fucking was gym. That fucking douchebag they used to put fake with Castleberry or whatever his name oh, was. Oh, Brad uh, Castleberry. Yeah, uh, you know, there, there's been a number. I think Cuomo did it too. Uh, so, so, so funny Brad Castleberry story. We were uh, back when we did the CrossFit football stuff, and we used to travel for CrossFit. They would always have like regionals and different events, and we would send like a team to you know sell shirts and just kind of drum up stuff. And so Callie and them were doing the shirts and shirts vertical jump. Uh, at the deal and Brad Castleberry shows up to San Diego for one of the regionals and uh, Callie's like all of a sudden this fucking dude is like walking around trying to wind himself up he rips off his shirt he's wearing like basically like fucking ranger panties and the dude (laughs) verted like 39 inches yeah the guy like fucking exploded and then was like screaming and she's like, I don't know, but he had huge baloney nipples. And I was like, oh, yeah, Brad Castleberry. I know who exactly who that is. Because <laughs> he's got, like, big baloney nipples. And uh, she's like, I sent her a picture. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, no, that's that fucking weirdo. Uh, and uh, he was, like, just such a picture fuck. of the face or the nips? Uh, <laughs> both. Both. Yeah, but, like, Callie's like, yeah, this wacky bodybuilder dude ripped his clothes off, was screaming at huge baloney nipples. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, uh, Brad Castleberry. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. And uh, I don't know if, uh, I mean, but he actually had like a 39 inch vert. So 
I don't know. Help, help me understand this fake weight. So he would post it to Instagram or just. So he would go to commercial gyms to girls and have like gyms. a thousand pounds on the back squat and be banging it out. Yeah. And like, I think, and then the people were like, I think these are fake weights. Yeah. Be- but how do you bring your own fake weights to a, a you, globo? You walk in the door with your fake weights. So Not that, now, chief. I'm in the fucking zone. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so like you walk in with like a big backpack yeah. full of your fake weights and your yeah. boys. And like, uh, I never saw the guy lift in person, but like, it was pretty, it, it was kind of like an internet. And I think people went to the gym to train with them to be like, Hey, let's see if this shit's legit. Yeah. And I, I think there was like a whole, like trying to like, uh, out him, but I, I don't even know. Like, I haven't heard or seen that. Like maybe he's Maybe's not in my I algorithm in a long time. Yeah. So I, yeah. I don't know what he's doing, but, uh, yeah, he's doing it. I mean, fucking bird thirty nine inches with. But, ama- big but that was the type of person that I was like coming after, like because I, you know, um, I didn't do. I ended up doing uh, wobble for a competition. The and uh, they had a disabled category, and I struggled with it. Like I was like, I don't want to go do this because I looked at the records, bro, and I was like, bench was like three twenty five, and deadlift was like three fifteen, and I'm like, fuck. I'm opening up at 405 bench and I'm opening up like 650 on that lift. So every single, every single lift that I had when I went, it was war record, state record, war record. It's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah. But I feel, I, I feel like I was cheating those fucking disabled dudes. I don't, cause like I was competing (laughs) with these other guys and they're like, I don't know, 325. And I'm like, fuck off. Do you like, I was like, so I felt bad, but I did it. But my main goal was like, I want to come and fucking rip head off at 275, the dudes that are fucking able bodies so that like, when they lose to me, they're gonna be like, fuck, I lost to that cripple dude. And I'm just gonna walk up and be like, yep, you did. And so that was that was like, my mentality was like, I want to do it the same as able bodies and better. Mm-hmm. So like that was, you know, walking into Harnox, I told Rod, I was like, this is what I want to fucking do. And he's nice. like, cool. And then, you know, we took it from there and it was just kind of like, that's where it started for me. And that's the kind of like mentality that like, I want to push towards people like, dude, life's going to be fucking horrible no matter what. Like you may have your struggles and you may have your struggles that your hardest struggle for you, um, you know, your struggle may be a small thing to you, but to me it might be, you know, the worst collapsing on me and, and vice versa, you know, like my, my hardest day you know, you think that will fucking just end you. And, and you know, I always try to tell people, like, because people come up to me all the time, it's like, dude, I don't know what I would have done in your situation. Like, I'd probably be dead. And I'm like, well, let me just break it down to you this way. Like, the one thing that humans want to do is live. We that That's like our fucking goal. You're going to do everything you can to survive. And I was like, and that's what I did that day. Like, I was pushing to survive because at the end of the day, like, that's what we want to do as humans. I want to live. Now I was like, did I have the training? Yeah. That I, you know, was set in a different mentality. Yeah. But it was all because of the training and everything that led up to that, that made me do the things that I did. I was like, don't sell, don't sell yourself short because you don't know the things that you're capable of doing till you're put in that situation. So like if it's life or death, you're going to fucking kick and scream till, you know, either you survive or you die. But you don't know until you're put in that situation. So don't ever sell yourself short at all. And well, you spoke on that moment when you were lifting and you can get in the zone and just forget about everything else. In your your moment when the explosive went off, did you have that same experience? It, it kind of was. It was it was a weird thing because everything happened so fast, but everything slowed down. And it was like tunnel vision. So you I'm, were in a Humvee? I was in a Humvee. Where were you sitting? I was the gunner. So you were the gunner. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the... Uh, Full vehicle. Yeah, five. And uh, so oh. the other four were lost. No, we lost two. Um, three of us got out, and then um, three of us made it out. Then two, we ended up losing two. Okay, so you lost two. Yeah. yeah. Um, fucking two hundred. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a big one. <laughs> did two hundred pounds of explosive? I mean, did uh like when you look at the wreckage and you looked at the pictures? I'm sure you've seen it. Like, uh, I actually, I have a picture of it. <laughs> and uh, are you like, how the fuck did I make it out of there? Yeah, yeah. So one of the cool things was, um, so I got injured in 2007. In 2010, um, I did a program with a foundation called Fairy Troops First, and the program that we did was called Operation Proper Exit. 
So we, I was able to go back to Iraq and fly over the spot where I was injured. Oh, shit. And, and to me, it was such a, like, a surreal moment uh, because when I got home, like, my best friend died in that vehicle with me. Yeah. And um, in the back of my head, like, you know, you always have that survivor's guilt. Like, I was like, why couldn't I have died and he survived? He's got a family, kids, stuff. I'm fucking single, 19, 20-year-old or whatever, 21-year-old at the time. And I'm like... Yeah, I was like, whatever. Um, and flying over that spot, like in the back of my head, I played the whole scenario. Like, I was like, well, we would have gone this way, we would have done this. And, like, and I looked at everything. And everything that we did that day was everything that we could have done to survive and gotten out of there. So there wasn't, like, there was no doubt in the back of my head ever again about that. So when I flew over there, I was like, okay, I can close this. This book up. So it was pretty cathartic and like uh, put a cap on it to go back. Pretty much. Yeah. And honestly, that was kind of like the beginning um, for me, kind of like that and then the outdoors, um, and which I talk about in the book. So I won't ruin it to a lot of people, but like meeting Chris Kyle and going hunting with him for the first time and kind of him sharing the outdoors with me and stuff, kind of like coming back from, from Iraq after that and have always had the support of my family and a bunch of amazing people that were placed in my life at that time. Like the support system around me was just there. There was like no reason why I should fail and no reason why I should just fucking give it up. Like I have so many things going on and that's, that was all just fucking around me. So I was like, that made me succeed. So how did, uh, I mean, obviously you were in the military, so you've always kind of been into weapons and guns. Like, how did you get this, like, transition into, like, high-priced gun bunny? Because that's what I refer to you as. Whenever people are like, you know, Chris, we might use a high-priced gun bunny. Uh, I, like, I, I fucking, like, dude, you should, like, it's uh, it's not a shoot. Like, uh, the amount of cool shit that you fucking access into. I'm like, God damn it. You are, uh, like, a gun buddy. Yeah, pretty much. You are. He's like, I'm the best-looking gun buddy there is out there. So for those of you guys who don't know that there's this kind of weird thing on the internet where it's like hot chicks and guns. Yeah. And like they are like, you know, they're always brand new and guns. Yeah. And now it's <laughs> <laughs> so I joke, I'm like, Crispy, you are like the best gun bunny I know and always posting dope shit, like always coming. And it's uh fuck. I mean, like I uh, I'm so st- one, I'm stoked for you because it's what you're into. But like I get to see uh, like whatever's cool and cutting edge. Crispy that's coming out. <laughs> He's like, hey, look what just showed up at my house. I'm like, you fucking asshole. <laughs> So one of the cool things too, like when I got hurt and the doctors asked me, he's like, what do you want from your hands to be able to do? And one of them was, I want to be able to grip things. So this hand is for that. I can grip this hand. There wasn't much that they could do because all my ligaments and everything had burned and retracted back. And so they were, they're pretty much stuck like this. Um, so I told the doctor, I was like, can I get a trigger finger? And he goes, yeah. So if you look at this finger, it's shaped to a trigger. And yeah, so, so for me, cool. so for me, then they fused it. So like, it's not going it. anywhere. Um, and it's perfect straight oh, oh, trigger yeah, pull. Just, oh yeah. yeah. And so for me, that was important. I was like, you know, I'm, it, cause I still had hopes of staying in the military after I got injured. Cause I, there was a program where you can stay. And I was like, cool, I'll go be a drill sergeant or I'll run a, uh, you your know, army. A, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. what was your, uh, designation? Uh, 11 Bravo. Okay. And so I was like, I can still do uh, some grunt stuff at, at the, some certain capacity, whether it be training the new guys that are coming in um, and helping them understand, like, hey, there's going to be injuries, all this stuff. Unfortunately, it didn't pan out. Uh, but I wanted this finger so that I can still train. So I found myself going to a gun store, buying a gun, going out of the range. And I'm like, damn, I'm kind of good. Like, not bad. And so... I wanted to be the best at that too. And so I kept training and training and then taking classes. And then I got into building my own guns and then understanding the components of like, here's this fucking stick. You put it up to your head, you pull the trigger and it goes boom and something happens. So I was like, huh, I got to understand the components of this. What, what makes all this go? So I started looking into what the trigger does, you know, what the firing pin does. Cause I mean, when you're in the army, you don't have time to break this yeah. shit down. You just, know how to fix it and go because that's it but i wanted to know you know what the twist rate of a barrel was what uh, a single stage or a two-stage trigger like all these little things that made guns go that way so i would find myself 
doing little videos. And I'm like, cool. And then I go hunting and then I do all these things. So like, it was always revolving around things that I like doing. And then so, then I started on Instagram and I was like, I started sharing things and I started doing this and then it started growing. And then just kind of got into uh, talking to manufacturers at gun shows. I'm like, well, I see that you developed this, but I want to know why and this and that. And they were like, holy shit, you, you do know all about guns. I'm like, yeah, I know a little bit. And so it just grew. And then I get invited to, um, you know, a factory to go see how everything was built. And that just opened up my mind a little more. And I just kind of dove into it. I'm like, this is what I love doing. And being born in Mexico and coming from there and realizing that people in Mexico don't have the Second Amendment, don't have the freedom to own a weapon. And that's where there's so much corruption. That's why the cartels... Well, the only people with guns in Mexico are cartels, cartels in the army. Yeah. And the army works for the cartels. So and, they, and, the and that's how the country runs, right? So, yeah. like, that's why there's a lot of um, corruption. That's why they, they fucking run everything down there. People can't defend themselves. Yeah. And so, like, I took that upon myself, and I realized, like, coming from Brownsville, too, like, the knowledge of people in the valley of their rights to own guns, to carry, to, like what they can and can buy, what they can own was very limited. Like people didn't realize the rights that they had down there because no one's ever told them. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I want to take this upon myself to teach this down there. So I started a, you know, my Instagram and I started doing all that. And then people were asking me questions. And if I didn't know the answer, I would go and research and then come back and do that. And it just took off from there and got to a point where like I made a name for myself in the weapon industry of, He's a good shooter. He knows the ins and outs of guns. And let's bring him in. And then I remember, like, the first time I ever uh, got invited to a big deal, it was um, when the SCAR was going to be introduced into the military. And I'm like, I want to test the fucking SCAR. And so FN flew me. We went out there, tested it. I mean, we ran it, like, to them, like, meticulously. Just broke it down, all the way down. And Tim Kennedy was there. And him and I were like, dude, what do you like about this? And so we, do you like the scar? I love the scar. Oh, I forgot. You hate it? SR-25. I'm, uh, I'm a Knight's Armament SR-25 hey, guy. that's a great fucking gun, too. Uh, I, I, I love mine. Yeah, it's a great, great gun. Uh, I don't... Uh, the ergonomics for me, I think it's got too much height overboard. Like, uh, like it does, like maybe the familiarity, because it's yeah, such a different platform. It is. But I know, um, um, you know, and, uh, Andy Stumpf used it, actually, in, yeah. uh, in country. And he said as long as it was clean, it yeah. was accurate as fuck. I've never had an issue with mine, and I run it, I mean... Hard. And you have SBRs. I mean, you got like, mm -hmm. uh, I know you got a long, I mean, you got yeah. a whole bunch of different platforms. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we went and then, you know, we did all that. And then, you know, like one of the uh, craziest thing was like, we told that family, like, you need to have, uh, because at the time, the, um, it was in, uh, it was in a non-reciprocating uh, charging handle. Mm -hmm. So every time you shoot, you have to watch and make sure that that fucking bolt oh. wasn't hitting you. And a lot of people were getting nicked in their thumbs. So we're like, hey, you need to change this. You need to change this. And then finally, after a couple of years of like us doing it, now they have a kit that you can buy to put a non-reciprocating charging handle nice. on your scar. So like you, I sit back and I'm like, I got to help that with that. Like, that's pretty cool. This episode of Power Athlete Radio is powered by Train Heroic, the most immersive strength training app experience on the market. We've built our online training business by partnering with Train Heroic and helping us deliver all of our world-class training programs like Jack Street, Field Strong, and Grindstone. To learn which Power Athlete training program best suits your goals, head to powerathletehq.com training. And if you're a coach looking to build a business with the best tech and training, go to trainheroic.co forward slash powerathletehq. And now back to the show. Uh, you know, lifting weights, guns, I mean, uh, politics, I mean, these things tend to be hot buttons. Do you ever get into it with, with uh, people that might not sit on the same side as us? No, I used to. Um, I used to um, just kind of want to, like, battle and debate people. And um, I think as I've gotten older, I've realized that's just not going to lead anywhere. Because nobody wins an argument on the internet? No, no. But I do, I mean, if it happens in real life, I, I love sitting in front of people and, and talking and telling them about my experiences. Like, look, I come from a country just south of the border. And 
you realize how quick they have no rights. They have nothing to protect themselves. They're living in poverty. Like there's all these crazy things that are going on on there. Not that they're not happening here, but we have freedoms that protect us from all these things. Then they have to be followed. So I like sitting down with people and having a conversation. And I don't like screaming. If they're gonna scream, I just sit there and watch. And like, can I speak now? They're like, and then so have a, a legit conversation with people and actually show them like the freedom, the rights that we have and why I view things different. And I think the the biggest um, misconception of people is, is because I'm a minority, because I'm a, you know, a, a Hispanic person from down in South Texas that I have to vote in a certain way. Like for some reason, when I'm like, no, being Mexican is literally family or it's got family. Um, you know, you, you have all these uh, things that we do and that we value as Hispanics that just don't align with this political group and they align more with this. So, Well, didn't uh, they just elect a Republican to the first time in the Valley? Yeah, Myra, yeah. She, uh, yeah. she was born in Mexico, so she's the first Mexican elected uh, person out there in which she's, her and I have become friends uh, through social no, media. I, I heard her speak. She's great. She's great. And yeah. her husband's a border patrol agent. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, no, she's, she's, yeah. she's super switched on a uh, really good message. And I, I appreciate that she's trying to like, um, incorporate her culture and talking yeah. about like, you know what, like family values, like family has always been number one in Mexico. Exactly. And, those and, those and, are the values that we have. It's just, it, that's how we are. Like when I was wounded, uh, my mom had just opened up a hair salon place. My dad was working and my siblings were in school. They, they dropped fucking everything. My mom saw the business and moved up here to be by my side. Like, and was there with me the whole time. Like, our family values go strong. Like, we're there no matter what. So, like, and, you know, we believe, we're pro-life people. We're, like, religious people. Like, all these things don't align yeah. with the way that we're being told that you need to be. When it's like... No, I, I feel like I'm more on this side than anything. Um, so uh, I don't know, man. I just kind of got into, I tell people like my life story and why it's just to look at this way. And then, you know, I've seen people like, oh shit, that does make sense. And we're starting to see it down in South Texas now where it's just people are opening their eyes because of social media and, and more outlets out there that they're able to do their own research and understand like, oh shit, this whole time I've been lied to and this, I don't align with this. I align more with this. And, dude, it's, it's turned from blue to red. And it's crazy to see because for 240 years, yeah, it's been blue down there. And now Myra stepped in and said, nope, yeah, let's change I mean, this. Like, talk about a stronghold for the Democratic Party. And now all of a sudden to have a GOP candidate in that part of the world, like, uh, shit's falling off its axis. Yeah. Um, the book. So, I mean, obviously, if you guys can check it out, this is under my skin. Can uh, I mean, what, like, uh, obviously, we know the inspiration for the book. But like, uh, can we get into a little bit? I mean, it's uh, it's your journey, and like, what was the message that you were trying to push forward? And like, you know, if this is if this is the the football, and you're trying to cross the goal line. Like, it was honestly more of the my American dream, like coming here, um, becoming a U.S. citizen. How how old were you when you came here? Nine, and then I became a citizen two weeks before nine eleven. Oh shit! Yeah, so that whole inspiration is there. Um, not only that, I, I wanted to do something different, man. And this is nothing against all my fellow brothers and sisters who've had books come out. But I felt like I needed to do something different. It's always, all these military books are like, I came in, did this, killed so many people, ugh, got out, which is fine. I'm not taking that away from anybody. But I felt like my story was a little bit more than coming in and killing the enemy. I mean, we tend to glorify war a lot and that's one of the biggest things and I just kind of wanted to not really do that I wanted to share um, my story of how I got injured um, what I did afterwards which is a recovery um, what helped me at my darkest moments because um, I'm not gonna lie I, mean, there, I talk about it on there pretty openly about suicide like it was one thing that crossed my mind a couple of times because here I was a 21 year old being taken care of by my family opposed to you know, as my parents get older, I'm supposed to take care of them, not sure. the other way around. So uh, we talk about that. We talk about the outlets that I found from powerlifting to hunting to the outdoors and people that 
came into my life and talk a little bit about going back to Iraq and all those things and what helped me come out of that dark period of my of my life and turn it around and become positive and use it. Because I've always told people like, you can either be a victim or a survivor. Like the choice is yours. No, no one's going to tell you what you need to do. You got to figure it out yourself. Um, so that's kind of what we dove into the book. We made it uh, short and to the point of, you know, you can do it too type deal. Like um, life sucks, man. It, it really does. But it's what you make out of it that counts. Yeah. I wonder if, um, I mean, like you said, like like the survivor's guilt and then also this feeling of like, I mean, talk about like, uh, you know, you're able-bodied person in the military and now all of a sudden this, you know, curveball gets thrown at you. I mean, yeah. fucking massive hit. And now all of a sudden here you're like, you said your mom and dad. I mean, fuck, it's, uh, I mean, it's it's fucking powerful. And, um, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, I don't know if it's tears of the clown, but every time I see you, you got a smile. But like, I mean, it, it's, um, you know, like it's amazing what like, a, you know, success and goals and, you know, positive outlook and just being positive. Um, I mean, you know, if you look at like, um, you know, neurological brain function, I mean, people that are negative, it's wired different. Like if you can wake up and feel good and it's fun. I talk to my kids all the time. They're like, we're not morning people. I'm like, become a fucking morning yeah. person. <laughs> Get up, look forward to yeah. the day. And uh, I think as long as you have something, um, you know, positive to look forward to. And it sounds like, you know, what's amazing too is, um, you know, you found these different outlets instead of feeling like, well, I can't go outside and do this. I can't do this. Like, you're fucking, like you said, a pack going out there hunting, doing all of these things and really just, you know, uh, taking advantage of the opportunities that everybody's presented. Well, I mean, I feel like I owe it to the guys that died in that vehicle with me that day, right? Because if, if I'm in a room locked up, drinking myself away, doing drugs, throwing my life away, and then watching them look down on me, like, do you think that they wouldn't in a heartbeat change places with me and go make the best that they can out of my life? Then, of course. I mean, so that's what I try to do. Like, every time that I go to speaking engagements, I, I make sure I mention their names. And there could be a thousand people in that room. And if one person leaves with remembering Campos's name or Harky's name, to me, that that's keeping their memory alive, right? So everything that I do, I always credit these guys because... They're, they're, they're my main source of motivation. It's just, I'm living my life plus two more. And I try to make them as proud as I can. And I hope that, you know, the day that we reunite that, you know, I get a hug and be like, you made us proud. And that's honestly like why I'm always smiling, why I'm always positive is because I'm living my life for me and for them too. And I want to make sure that people, you know, don't have that stigma of where we've made it we made it okay to people be like, oh, he's got PTSD, let him be an asshole. Like, no, that, no, fuck that. Like, you can have it and still live and still be a positive person and still contribute to your community and still give back and and be, uh, you know, that that light that people are looking for. Because, dude, you've, you've gone out and you've given your body, you've given time of your life to this country. And whether you were wounded with ones that you can see or ones that you can't see, it doesn't mean that you're done serving. You know, you're done serving your country, but not your community and give back and be positive and have people look at you and be like, man, that fucking dude right there. Like, love that guy. We need more people like that. And dude, if we have more people like that, then it's just going to be a better community. We're going to be happier. We're all going to like be on the same page type of thing. And this is kind of where I tell people like, I feel like that's like my violent hippie coming out. We're like, I want everybody to get along. I want everybody to love one another. I don't give a fuck what color you are, what your sexual preference is, what you do. Like, I, I don't give a shit about none of that. Just live your life, be happy, contribute back into the community, love one another, and that's it. Like, I feel like we all get on that same page. We'll be better off as a country. Yeah. No, I mean, people make their own prisons. And I think yeah. what happens so much is people are looking for so many different labels to divide themselves. And, um, you know, hey, man, uh, be a good person. You know, I mean, let people live the life and be happy. You know, yeah. I mean, it seems fairly easy. Yeah. And I mean, and uh, I mean, I haven't read the book. I'm stoked you brought it to me. I'll read it. But uh, to be able to go through this stuff is it's pretty killer, dude. It's a great story. Thanks, man. What do you got, Chris? Anything? Well, this is our our Veterans Day episode. It falls on a Friday, oh, nice. November 11th. Oh, just uh, by chance. Yep. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll save this one for Veterans Day. We filmed a little bit early. Yes. Nice. So. Thank you, Crispy, for coming out, sharing Thanks, with man. us. Thanks for your service. Thanks for all the service men and women out there. 
Yeah, we appreciate it. For the you. blanket of freedom you provide us every night. Yeah. And, Loving uh, it. And just a sacrifice. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, shit, it's a, it's a tough job. And we've been very fortunate to work with a lot of military. And, um, you know, if we can provide any service in any ways, making sure that dudes are fit and lethal and fucking out there killing and everything. Yeah. Yes. And if they are veterans, we've teamed up Project Resilience. So Sam Case, she's doing amazing things, combining uh, some some therapy with training and all of our Block One coaches uh, in their gyms. So she's teaming up with Block One coaches that any veterans that need therapy in their communities, then they provide the training and she helps align a therapist. So if you head to powerathletehq.com and then click about us, it's a list of all of our coaches, and then we can help uh, any veteran out there find a, a good coach. And then Sam Case, she's going to do her job to team them up with uh, a therapist in their community. So That's she's cool. doing great work. So shout out to Sam and uh, all our coaches doing good things to empower veterans' performance. Nice. Well, That's thanks, awesome. Dude. Well, thanks for coming on Power Athlete Radio. Yeah, brother, thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, until next time. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>